How you doing? Are you okay? That's good. Cool, I'm just getting to sort my bits out here. Cool. Uh, like Rich says, my name's Rick, I'm part of the staff team here at the vineyard. I sound like I'm in a cave, but that's okay. Um, and uh, we're starting a, a new series this morning, and I'm kind of the, the lucky guy who gets to kind of kick it off. So it's either a really good thing, or if I start down a certain tangent, it's really difficult for the rest of the preachers. Uh, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so we're starting a new series, um, and we're kind of excited about it. Uh, we're going to take four weeks uh, and just um, take you through, basically, the, the distinctives of, of what a, a genuine church should look like. We did something kind of similar to this um, called Essential Church last year and we just, we, we just found it to be really uh, exciting and we had a lot of good feedback. So we kind of wanted to touch on some of these things again. What actually are the really important um, distinctive things about a, a genuine church? So if we're going to take four weeks and I'm going to do one, Dennis is up next week and then Chris is going to do a couple and uh, we're really excited about it and uh, we're really going to go to some really good places. So we're going to start this week and we're going to talk firstly about presence. Okay, presence is the, the first distinctive we're going to talk about. So I'm going to ask you to just do something for me, okay, and this is going to take a bit of self-control for you. I'm going to ask you in a minute to talk amongst yourselves, but then after that I'm going to ask you to stop. That's the difficult bit. Okay, so... I asked this question on my, uh, through Facebook and on my Twitter page, okay? And I want you now to turn around in a moment and ask the person next to you this question, okay? Who is the most famous person you've ever met? Who is the most famous person you've ever met? Right, go for it. Right, I'm going to ask you to stop. See, this is definitely the more difficult bit. <laughs> There's no doubt. So if you can just stop talking now, okay? Okay, don't overshare, Okay. Now, now I'm going to ask something even riskier. Would, would a couple of you who are brave just shout out some famous people? Just go on. Who? Peter Sellers. Awesome. Sorry? You've met the Queen. That's it. We'll just forget it. Um, <laughs> now, nah, seriously, come on. Who else? Come on. Just shout loud. Nelson Mandela. Sweet. Who? Who's he? Okay. On the balcony, come on. Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson, okay. Who met Muhammad Ali? You're so lucky. Uh, sorry, another one for the balcony. Was it who? Oh, okay, Bob Hope, yeah, cool. Okay. okay. Well, you done, you're pretty impressive. Let me tell you, I, 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 let me tell you a few people I got. Um, in the office, in the vineyard office, because I asked this question there first, I started local. Um, we had uh, our worship intern, Joe, had met Kevin Spacey. It's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Uh, Karen, uh, uh, our Lord of Admin, had, uh, had met, uh, who do you met? Richard Branson. Yeah. She said, didn't think much of him. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I've met the blonde woman from Birds of a Feather. Oh yeah, she made me a cup of tea. Yeah, and various other people. Uh, when I, I was interested, when I did it on my Twitter page, we had amazing people. Like, um, let me. I've got a list here. Um, the Queen we had as well. Mandela, uh, Vinnie Jones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some uh, girl I know had met Jimmy Choo. Is apparently a shoe designer. If you know this, uh, went out for a cup of tea and laughed at a pair of shoes he designed. Not a good move. Uh, Michael Jackson. Um, yeah, I know, we've got some impressive people here. And, and I bet if we really delved and we really had time to think, you, you, lots of us in this room, we would always 
we'd be able to pluck out people we'd seen or, or famous people we just met in some strange way. And I don't know about you, but whenever I run into a famous person, I was once just four foot from Chris Eubank. Oh, yes. And uh, I remember feeling weird. Now, do, do you do this? When, when you begin to feel weird around someone, in someone's presence, you try and act not weird. But then, that has the reverse effect of your, your, what you want to do, and you seem more weird. Because you can't act normal. You can only be normal. And you start to act strange. And I wonder why this happens, why when we're in the presence of certain people, things go strange. And I think it's because presence matters. Presence of, of people uh, uh, with us affects things. Let me tell you another story. Um, because one of the times when the presence of someone really changes is when there's a policeman around. You know. So last year, just before Christmas, we did a thing called the Christmas extravaganza. Great time, ice rink, blah, blah, food, whatever. And uh, I had a really long day. Uh, I sort of worked from like early in the morning to quite late at night. And um, everyone came and had a wonderful time. I hope you came and had a good time and didn't die from food poisoning or anything. And uh, then everyone left and it was left to a merry few of us to tidy up. So we started to tidy up and all the chairs that were being put away in various rooms, we had to bring those out. And it was, I was really tired and there was me and a few guys and um, it got to a point where we couldn't do that much because the ice rink was still sort of being moved. And we had to just wait and I just thought, oh, I really need a drink. I'm just going to, I'm so thirsty. I'd been running around all day and had a chance. And so I went to the, the kitchen, thought I'd just get myself a glass of milk. I'm a bit of a milk fiend, I must confess. And uh, so I went there and, and as I opened the fridge, one of you beautiful Wonderful people had left a beer in there. <laughs> and this can of Foster's looked at me and it went, I'm yours. <laughs> I'm yours if you want me. And I said, oh, I want you, baby. <laughs> and uh, I grabbed this can of Foster's. Because you know when you're really thirsty, like a beer is good. And uh, so I cracked this thing open and just like as fast as I could, all the way down my hatch. Then... We carried on working and the, the, the ice men and the ice kind of uh, rink people had moved. And it took about 20 minutes more and then it was gone. I was locking up the gate and I was on my way home. So I'm happy with my day. Things are going well. I'm quite tired and stuff. And I'm driving down Hatfield Road on my way home. And uh, suddenly there's like a queue of traffic in front of me. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then, oh, it's a police drink drive checkpoint. <laughs> Fantastic. So straight away, the police are there. I'm in my car. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh no, I've only just drunk a beer. Like, what if you have to, like, I know it's not a lot, I'm not, I'm not over the limit, but what if, like, you need to leave an hour before you get tested, otherwise it still shows. So I'm in the queue, and straight away I'm sweating, you know, the world is kind of shrinking, and I think, right, just turn around. Just turn around in the queue. They won't notice. Okay. But then my, my better, my better, uh, my better demon said, uh, no, don't turn around because then they'll chase you. And uh, this wouldn't end well. I just, I just saw local pastor in drink drive hell. So I stayed in the queue and I thought, I'll just blag it. I'm okay. They were checking every two or three cars. God loves me. I've been serving him today. Nothing bad will happen to me. So the car two in front of me gets stopped and, and stuff and then they go through and the, and the policeman just standing just waving people through and I'm thinking yes I'm on it and just as I'm there he puts his hand out to stop I wind my window down and at this point I'm almost in tears it couldn't have looked good smelling of beer almost crying 
So he opened the window and said, good evening, sir. We're just doing a seasonal police uh, drink drive uh, stop. So have you had any alcohol tonight? And being an honest pastor, I said, I have just drunk a can of Foster's. <laughs> and I realised now that might have been a mistake. <laughs> then he said, OK, in that case, sir, I'm going to breathalyse you. Have you ever been breathalysed before? And I said, yes. And listen to my, listen to my next comment. Yes, only an accident. <laughs> so now not only am I a drinker, I'm dangerous. And what you didn't tell me, who's been breathalysed here? Okay, good, few, good sinners, good. Um, I, uh, last time I was breathalysed, you blow into it until it beeps, yeah? But they changed it, they've changed it now. But they didn't tell me. See, last time I blew, and then, boop, boop, and, it, and then you know when to stop. But you didn't tell me they changed, and what it does now, it beeps all the time. And the pitch builds up until they've got enough. So I start blowing on this thing, and it goes, at that point, I'm like, I'm dead! <laughs> and I considered throwing it at him and driving. So I'm there and I'm just shrinking and I'm acting so nervous and so strange and I hand it back to him and my head's low and I'm just like, that's it, I'm done. I'm done. And he said, that's okay, clear, you're 0% alcohol there, sir, please drive on. And I remember sort of just saying, Merry Christmas! <laughs> or something really stupid and driving off. Oh, my life. There's something about us, there's something that's wired in us, that in the presence of certain things or certain people, it changes us and it changes the dynamic of our atmosphere. It's just a fact. You know this if you've been around famous people. You know this even simple things like your, your friends are trying to get together with you. Do you want to come out? And you ask, well, who's going to be there? Why are you doing that? You're doing it because you want to be in the presence of certain people <laughs> and you don't want to be in the presence of others because it changes your life. Presence is important. Presence matters. Where does this come from? And I believe it comes from something in us that maybe some of us have lost. That actually you and I were designed to be in the presence of something that would alter us, that would change our life. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you the opt-out now. If you want to do some emails and phoning, thinking, read a book or something, you can do that. Because this is, this is my point today. Okay, so I'll give you it now and then you can chill out. My point is this, that you were made for the presence of God. And the church exists to be a carrier of God's presence. You were made for the presence of God. You were made to know him and be known by him. And the church, us gathered here, if this is your home, you were made to be a carrier of God's presence. God's presence is supposed to dwell here with us. So we're going to unpack this statement just for, for a little while, these two statements. And uh, look at this, because this is a distinctive of the church, of a genuine church. This is what marks our community out from all the other fantastic communities and organisations and, and companies and movements of people. This is one of the things that, that marks out the church, that we are supposed to have God's presence with us. And for me, the Bible is a story of the presence of God. It's a story of the presence. We did a, uh, just before Christmas, we did an eight-week or nine-week um, kind of walk through the Bible. And uh, when I did that, it, it was good. But one of the things that really helps me when, I, when I'm studying the Bible is, is to pick a certain route through the Bible. And one of the easiest ways for me to really get a grip on what the Bible's about is to, to go, actually, for me, it, it's about something. So if I look at it through the lens of it's about rescue, it makes sense. If it's about forgiveness, it makes sense. The, the, the journey of all the, the interaction between God and people. But one of the nicest, not nicest, one of the best ways to look at it is that the, the story of the Bible is a story of God's presence, of us having it and losing it 
and of God pursuing us and us pursuing him but then losing it again and eventually what God's remedy is to the fact that we're dying dying to have something in our lives that would change us if we know it or not it's the presence of God so the the the, the the Bible begins, and you'll know this, even if you've got a fleeting knowledge of this, uh, the story of Adam and Eve. Essentially, that, that, that God makes man, and then what does he do? He presences himself with them. And we often read that story. And it's like Adam and Eve get made, and then straight away they're with the snake, and they eat the fruit, and there's sin. But actually, whoa, 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 you've got to slow down a bit. Because I think that God created Adam and Eve, and I think then there was time. There was time between their creation... And their fall, as we call it, the sin coming in. That there was just a space, that moments with God where they were just in his presence. And, you know, the, the book of Genesis seems to point at that, that God sometimes, in, in the cool of the day, God would stroll through the garden. I love this image. That actually, humanity, you and me, originally, we were meant to be in his presence. And then the, the, the story, the narrative of the Bible continues and, and throughout loads of different people, Abraham and, and Noah and, and Cain and Abel and so many different people throughout the, the Old Testament, this thing carries on of actually, the, the result of the fall is that we were cast out of God's presence, that we had to leave the garden and leave God. But then the story is that God seems to keep coming in at points. The individuals seem to sometimes get a hunger and they seem to chase after God after his presence. This is the story of the Bible and it, it kind of ebbs and flows and goes all the way through. But one of the most important moments, certainly in the Old Testament, that deals with the presence of God uh, is basically the, the, the life and the moments of Moses' life. And we're going to look at, just in a, a book, Exodus, you'll hopefully know it, in chapter 33, just an account of how God's presence was with Moses and with the, the Israelite people that um, Moses was kind of in charge of. Okay, so we're going to read... Um, from Exodus 33 uh, and we're going to see what God's presence is really like and how, what role it's supposed to play in our life okay so Exodus 33 we're going to start at verse 7 so this is just to give it some context um, Moses was out with some sheep and he saw from afar something weird happening that there was fire in a bush and it didn't burn up. And he goes there and he, he stumbles upon the presence of God himself. And then in that moment, in that contact with the presence of God, he's sent out and various things happen. And he ends up going in and, and grabbing out the people of Israel. And they're released from Egypt and they're in the desert. And at this point, Exodus 33, the, the law has been given. God's um, commands about how they were supposed to live in his presence. But then we start to learn a little bit of how Moses interacted with God. So here we go, verse 7. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up from some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord will go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrances of their own tents. And they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Meanwhile, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. 
Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Let me just stop there for a moment. I am so envious of Moses and this Joshua, son of Nun. So envious. Isn't it one of the driving questions? How can I know God? If you were to show me God, if God was able to just come, sit down in my lounge, and face to face speak to me, I would believe. It's one of the, it's probably the biggest question that drives us. And here in this account, we have this story of Moses. Not a particularly righteous and amazing man, actually, someone who'd murdered and been at, you know, had anger issues and been a bit of an idiot. But here, because God is, is, is pursuing Israel to be his very own nation, we have Moses and God in this interaction. And, and we have this, this system of the tent that they were a nomadic people, that God was taking them from one place to another. But when they would set up camp, Moses would then set up a, a separate tent. Or in, in some versions of your Bible, you'll have the word tabernacle. And uh, it, it was there that Moses would go and he would talk to God. And I just love what it says. It says that he would speak to him face to face as one speaks to a friend. It's amazing. And there's a little bit of restoration here. You see from Adam and Eve where God was with them and then they blew it. And through all the the, the trouble and all the years since then, there's a little bit of restoration here where Moses once again is in the same space as God. In the presence of God. And it's so good that Moses goes in and gets some business done and leaves. But Joshua, son of Nun, he just stays there. And I like this guy. He's just like, I'm, I'm not moving. Like, seriously, I'm not going back home. Got dishes to do. Things. Got to carve stuff. You know, there's not even a Tesco's yet. Got to go and kill some animals. I'm staying here in the presence. And I just love this moment. Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love there to be a place where where you went and you spoke to God and he spoke to you and you were in each other's presence? And I just want to point out just again that 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 word tent there, it means tabernacle. And this is going to be an important word for us as we carry on, okay? Because this is a word that uh, reoccurs at different times. But that there, the the tent or the tabernacle, and it it kind of, the the picture of it, that the tent, is that it was the meeting place between man and God, represented here by... Moses as man, and uh, God as God. <laughs> okay? That the tabernacle is the meeting place between humanity and God. We're going to carry on, reading on in uh, Exodus up to verse 16. It says, One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favourably on you. And if it is true that you look favourably on me, then let me know your ways that I might understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favour. And remember that this nation is your very own people. And the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest and everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favourably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us 
sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. This is Moses here giving us our first point this morning, that actually one distinctive of the church is the presence of God among us. I just love Moses. Moses has really, really got some courage, the way he talks to God. I mean, God doesn't forget stuff. God's got a pretty good track record on memory and stuff like that. But Moses is continually pushing. Don't you remember this is your nation? Don't you remember you promised? Go with us. I love this this little quote that he says, that if you don't go with us, we're not going. Almost. You know, if you don't go with us, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. What a heart. And this is what happens when you begin to experience the presence of God. When you begin to have God as some form of reality in your life, and that begins to build in you, you don't want to just walk out without him. And Moses had that because the presence of God was with him face to face. And he says to him, and he's, uh, Moses is an individual here, he's in a tent. Joshua's there, but he's at the back sort of crying and stuff. But he represents the people as well. And he's here and he's just saying, don't let us live, don't let us go without your presence. You see in the Old Testament... God picked individuals, prophets and kings and judges, but also he chose a nation, Israel, to represent what a nation who knows God looks like. It's kind of what Israel was supposed to be. They were supposed to be the example among all the other nations of the world. This is what it looks like when God is involved with a nation. Their values were supposed to be God's values. The way they lived was supposed to be the way God would have them live. One distinctive of the church is that it is God's presence among us that marks us out. You know, there are so many good organisations. Sometimes you look around and you, you look at, especially something like Haiti. Seen so many organisations just run in there and just straight away be giving aid and doctors and money and military support. And you look at it and you go, wow, aren't these amazing? And sometimes you can look at things and go, wow, it's, it's impressive all these organisation stuff. But actually... The church is supposed to be part of that, but actually we're different as well. We're different. There's something that we hold when we gather, when a church comes together. There's something that we have that no other organisation has, that no other group of people has. And it is the presence of God among us. It's the presence of God among us. I love what Moses says, where he says, um, he keeps kind of saying, your people and me. And I, can't, I, I like this, you know, he just says, um, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. And I love this, because this is the kind of two ways you can view the presence of God, okay? The presence of God with you and the presence of God here with us, okay? And they're both kind of equally important, but they are different, okay? If this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus... What happens is, we're told that God then gives us his Holy Spirit. Almost as one of the language, one of the things, the way they speak about it in the the New Testament is that it's a deposit. That God places something in us that that kind of claims us as his own. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, you have God in your life, with you. That the Holy Spirit comes and he comes to live in you, to fill you. And that means that when you leave here today... You don't really leave church. You just, it just gets dismantled for a week. 
And each part of you goes out. And when you go into your workplace, when you go just in your family, when you're just driving, um, wherever you are, you take the presence of God with you. That God is with you. That at any moment during your day, you can turn and you can begin to speak to God. Pour out your heart. Ask him for help. Say, um, when you're messing up, you can just stop in that moment and repent and, and turn around. And that's wonderful because God is with us. But as well, there's this other dynamic, and sometimes we don't talk about this enough. That, yeah, God is with us when we're scattered. That for you as a person, you have Jesus. And that is important and wonderful. We'll fight to the death for that. But there's this other thing. That when we're gathered, not just when we're scattered, but when we're gathered, the presence of God is here. And it's a powerful thing. And it's something that no other movement, no other... Organization, nothing on the face of the earth has. I mean, God might turn up, and he does, because God can do what he wants. I'm not going to tell him. You can do. But there is a promise. It's just a done deal that when genuine followers of Jesus get together, gather together, God is there. You know, Jesus, he spoke about this and he, he talked about, you know, when, uh, when uh, two or more of you, or I think three or more of you, get together, I'm there. And I love this, that Jesus isn't denying that he's with us when we're not there, but he's actually saying that there's a blessing when at least you and someone else get together, when there's community. Because God is, Chris was talking about this last couple of weeks, God is reconciling the world and you and I. He's bringing us back together, back into his presence. And there's something powerful about when you and me, us here, this service, the next service, burn, small groups. When we gather together, God is among us. God is with us and it's supposed to mark us out. And I wonder how many of us would, or are hungry for that presence of God. How many of us like Moses would say, I don't want to go if you're not with me. Maybe some of us, we, we, we accept a little bit less. We like the worship, we like this, we like that. We like some of the Christian stuff, but then we do our own thing. But you were made for the presence of God. Guys, you were made for the presence of God. And anything less is less. Maybe you feel it when you come in. Maybe if you're a visitor here this morning, it's really good to have you with us. But maybe you feel it as you come in. We get this a lot here. Uh, you talk to any of the staff members and anybody on the team, actually. We get this a lot that people come in and they just sense something different about this place. And it's easy to come in, and, and because we work so hard on hospitality and welcome, because our donuts are the finest in all Christendom, okay, it's easy to think, oh, it's just a great bus, just great, everyone gets together and everyone's happy and nice, and, and part of that's true, but actually, what's the real thing behind it, the foundation, is that it's the presence of God. As people come in here, they're struck by the presence of God. I mean, do you feel it when you come in here? You feel it? It's something different? I speak to some people, and they talk about struggling all week, but as soon as they walk through the doors here, stuff just drops off them. And I love that. I love that. And we get it all the time. When we were building this place, Chris will tell you, when we were building this place, we'd have builders and different things just say, even before you guys turn up here, they'd be like, there's something different about this place. There's something different about this place. And I remember when I was becoming a Christian... Um, I was reading the Bible secretly, covert op, and uh, going to a church. Actually, I started attending a church, but I wouldn't talk to anyone. 
I would turn up late, I'd, I'd kind of leave with that, talk to her, and I would just sit at the back, and I was overwhelmed by the peace. The, I would just sit there, and I'd just shut my eyes, and I would just constantly, for the hour and a half, whatever it was, it's probably the most boring church I've ever been in, um, <laughs> the peace of God was there. There's something about the church when it gets together. God joins us. God's here before us. We had a meeting. I remember this. This is one of the things. This is a weird thing. We were having a leaders meeting in the conference room out there. About 40 or 50 of our leaders. And we were praying and stuff. And, and, and during the evening, someone came back through and said to me, have you been in the, in the hall, in, in the auditorium here? And I was like, well, no. Um, no. She said, oh, it's just the most beautiful presence of God. And being a pastor and being a man of faith, I went, really? <laughs> we'll see. Okay. So I, I, I walked through. And as I walked through the doors, all I can explain is I, I like hit something. I didn't walk into anything, don't worry. I just hit this presence and it took my, actually took my breath away. I couldn't breathe properly. And I just began to just worship and, uh, and I remember coming sitting down and kneeling. Just because the presence of God was in this area we're in now. And uh, by the time I kind of woke up or sort of came to out of my sort of praying worship, there were loads of people just dotted around. There's something about when God's people gather, there's presence. Presence. And Moses knew this. And Moses, who is a, in scripture, there are certain people we call like prototype saviors. People who basically are carrying a little bit of what Jesus would carry the fullness of. And Moses is this kind of guy. So as he's talking about God go with us to presence and being the meeting place between man and God. Jesus would show us a, a more fuller version of that. So we're just going to jump over to um, first chapter of John, Gospel of John. So you can, you can go there if you like. And um, this is John just doing his intro to his Gospel. Uh, and he says something that's really, um, really helpful to us. It says this. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Let me tell you something, that word dwelling there, it's the word tabernacle. So Moses, his habit was to take the people of God and to set up a tent, a tabernacle, a meeting place between humanity and God and go there and, and meet with God and bring the needs of the people and God to tell him what the people needed. And John, later on, writing his gospel, speaking about what Jesus was doing, he said this, that when Jesus became, when God took on flesh and became a man in Jesus, what he was doing was he was setting up another meeting place, another, another tabernacle, another place where humanity and God could have communion together where they can meet and talk John is essentially saying that the presence of God is contained in the person of Christ that the presence of God is contained in the person of Christ that Jesus becomes a place where if we will enter into Jesus just like Moses would enter into the tent if we will accept Jesus, believe in him put our trust in him then Jesus becomes the, 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 the vehicle, the meeting place where 
you and I get to talk face to face with our Father. He becomes the place where suddenly, as we welcome him in, we find that the presence of God comes into our lives. We find that as you and I, we gather here this morning, in the name of Jesus, we find that God is here with us. And I will, whenever I preach, you'll notice, hopefully, I will always say Jesus far too much. Jesus, Jesus. I always do it because I want you to know that I'm not talking about God in your estimation of him. I'm not talking about God in some sort of hallmark card niceness. I'm talking about God as revealed in the person of Jesus. Later on in the New Testament, a writer says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And it's only because Jesus has done what he did on the cross that you and I get a chance to be in the presence of God again. Because we did stuff that knocked us out of the presence. Sin and brokenness kept us from God. But Jesus, through his death, becomes the meeting place where if we enter into Jesus, if a church will follow Jesus, worship him, do what he says, God's presence is there. And that means a bunch of things. It means peace. It means feeling secure with him. It means healing. We can't, we've got so many stories of healing. So good. So much stuff happening. It means weeping as well. Realising where you've blown it. But also then encouragement from God. Knowing where he can take you now. And the presence of God isn't about joy and being comfortable all the time. It's about God resetting you back to where you should be. Because you were made for his presence. You were made for his presence. Let me take, we're running out of time. Let me take you one more place that will hopefully tie this thing up. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians quickly. And this is a church leader later on talking. He's talking about what Christ has done. And he's saying that there's, where there used to be a divide between um, Jews and non-Jews and Romans and Greeks and different things. He's saying that Jesus has broken that all down. He's got rid of that. And I'll read it from the screen. Uh, And it says this talking about Jesus in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you too you are being built together that's with the people around you to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit you too are becoming together a dwelling where God lives by his spirit do you know what that word dwelling is <laughs> no. Well, it is the word tabernacle as well, the root of it, but actually, this is slightly different. Where previously, before Jesus, this, this, this talk of the presence and uh, the tabernacle and the tents were to do with temporary. It's always a tent or, or an abode or somewhere you could live. This word dwelling here, it talks of a tent of a tabernacle, but actually, the, 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 one of the roots behind it is this permanent residence. Permanent residence. Let me put it in English terms for you. It's almost like God had been renting up to now. But in the church, God decided to buy. That anywhere a church gathers now, the presence of God is, is guaranteed. That God will be there among them. That this morning, here in this room right now, God is with us. Because the church is supposed to carry the presence of God. 
You were supposed to be in the presence of God. You were made for the presence of God. And the church is made to be a carrier of it. That when people come in here, they get it. And when you and I, we scatter when we're out and about in our jobs. They're supposed to, again, experience something of God in how you treat them, how you love on them, how you forgive them, the things you don't do as much as the things you do. The presence of God is the first distinctive of a real church. Would you guys mind standing up? Let me pray for you. If I can have the band back up. One thing uh, I didn't have time to really touch on was uh, the Holy Spirit and his place in this because it's humongous. But we did a series on this a short while ago. You can still get it on the podcast on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Please check it out. But it's God's Spirit with us as we come together and as we scatter that does this thing. Let me just pray for you. Yeah, Father, I thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. I thank you that in him... We can meet with you again. And now we're in him, Lord God. We become a carrier of your presence. That as much as we're in you, Lord God, with you, as we leave this place and as we gather here, Lord God, we carry your presence, Lord. That you and what you're doing in us marks us out amongst all the other people on the earth, Lord God. And Lord, we want to say more of your presence for us, Lord. We want to be greedy, Lord, and just say, just more of you, Jesus. We want more of your presence when we meet, Lord. We want more of your presence as we just live our lives, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.